the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Lib Griffiths, and if you thought with the WSL season finishing we'd be in for a quiet week, you can think again. Coming up, Chelsea left feeling blue by Barca, exits galore in the WSL, United shocked by the boxes in the FA Cup, plus a look at all the other cup results and the start of the NWSL. Now, joining me this week, we have freelance women's football journalist, Andrew Rabin, and also our WSL fan, Beth McHugh. And Beth has been keeping a beady eye on what's been happening across the pond. Guys, great to see you. We've got a lot to get through today, so I hope you're ready. Certainly am. <laughs> yeah, I'll wait. <clears throat> well, let's start with the biggest stage of them all. Things didn't go to plan for Chelsea in the Champions League final against Barcelona Sunday night. Emma Hayes' side found themselves 4-0 down at half-time in Gothenburg. The Blues got off to the worst possible start with Melanie Lupo's own goal after 33 seconds. Alexia Putayas doubled the lead from the penalty spot after Lupo appeared to clip Jenny Hermoso. Aitana Bonmati and the Norwegian Caroline Hansen piled on the first half misery. Whilst Chelsea improved in the second half, the Catalan side held on comfortably to go one better than finishing runners-up in 2019 to win their first Champions League title. Well, it was a massive disappointment on the night, not only with the result, but the performance, especially in that first half. But, Andrea, I'll come to you. We've got to give Barcelona some credit. They, they played some fantastic football, didn't they? They absolutely did, yeah. Um, I think, obviously, Chelsea can feel a little bit um, hard done by, perhaps, with the the, the, the fortunate... Um, from Barcelona's perspective, own goal and then uh, uh, the penalty, which is debatable to say the least. When you're 2-0 down after you know not very long in a major final, it's difficult to come back from there. But it's even more difficult when Barcelona play the sort of football that, that they did. And their league record says it all, you know, um, won every league game, um, scored a load of goals, barely conceded any. You know, Chelsea needed Barcelona to be slightly off their their level and Chelsea needed to be on it and it was vice versa. And uh, yeah, very difficult once um, once you have a few players having off days, which Chelsea did against that Barcelona side. Very, very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Barcelona's record because we're British. We follow a lot of British media. There was a lot of hype about Chelsea going into this game, having won the WSL last week. But when you look at Barcelona's record, 26 games, 128 goals, five conceded. Beth, do we underestimate how good this Barca side actually are? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think, I mean, it's understandable why, but the sort of classic British media thing happened where Chelsea were so hyped up before the final. Um, the the pieces that were going out on Emma Hayes being like the best manager in the world. I mean, she is, she is fantastic, but it's certainly was pitched to us that uh, Barcelona were the, uh, were the underdogs for us. I think if you look at the league, um, the WSL went to the final day, Barcelona ran away with theirs. It, it certainly wasn't the case um, in reality and it wasn't the case on the day. No, I mean, it, it was crazy. I mean, just as someone who watches the WSL and not so much the Spanish League, I, I was blown away by Barca. But Chelsea can take some positives away from this defeat. After all... Barcelona were in a similar position two years ago when they lost to Lyon 4-1 in the Champions League final. But now they're reaping the rewards, aren't they, Andrew? Yeah, and I think that's that's something, for, for as you say, for Chelsea to take some comfort from. Um, it's always the case with uh, finals, isn't it, that you, the runners-up watch the, the, the winners collecting the trophy and applaud them through gritted teeth, um, if that's not an odd visual image. Um, 
but then you you know you say to yourself it's not going to be us next time we're going to be up there we're going to be winning those trophies and um certainly that's what barcelona said when they were put to the sword by psg and they've yeah they've they've um got that revenge haven't they if you like or they've taken it out on another team um chelsea will come back better from this it's always though so difficult to get to a champions league final it's very tempting isn't it to say oh this is our one shot at it um obviously chelsea have got to kind of uh be as consistent as they were it was made the point was made last night that Chelsea have been building for this match for two or three years in terms of creating a squad to challenge for this sort of showpiece event um it does suggest though that particularly that defense and particularly in the fullback areas they're going to have to invest a little bit more um to kind of bridge that evident gap that there is um but it's interesting let's talk about Barcelona of course they beat Manchester City 3-0 in the first leg of their uh, Champions League game but lost the second leg so you know, it's it's they're not they're not uh, you know they're not out and away in the distance, but they are a better side than I think most people were giving them credit for in the build up to it, as Beth says. Mm. No, absolutely. I mean, you kind of answered my next question. Emma Hayes spoke after the game, saying, "You know, this will stay with the players over the summer. Summer's just around the corner." Beth, do you agree with Andrew that it's the defence that they should be looking at recruiting to strengthen? Hundred percent. I think for all the the plaudits Chelsea's attack has had this season, and I think Penil Harder still has three, four, five gear. She can go up for Chelsea next season, which is a bit frightening. Um, they are alarmingly short at the back. There's no backup centre back. Um, when Magda Eriksson was out injured, Sophie Ingle had to fill in. Um, and if sort of like a Virgil Van Dijk injury happened to Magdalena Eriksson, I think they can forget about winning the Champions League. They would struggle to retain the WSL title. She's that crucial in that defence. Um, yeah, and as last night's final proved, they are alarmingly short at fullback. Uh, it was obviously a great opportunity for both uh, Neve Charles and Jess Carter um, playing on the biggest stage at such a young age, but they were sort of embarrassed, let's be honest, by Barcelona's world-class wingers. So I think a centre-back and a couple of full-backs in the, uh, the off-season should be where Chelsea are looking. Beth, how much stall do you set by you know that Chelsea defence perhaps not being tested I know Barcelona obviously uh, dominate their league too but Chelsea's defence gets tested sort of you know every few weeks or so rather than every single week you know how much is that a problem for them when they come into European games? I think it's huge because you saw you the two times they were tested this season was against Manchester City um, in that title title decider towards the end of the season. And then the first leg of that Bayern match, um, both games they were out without Magda Eriksson and their defence just looked absolutely shambolic. So, yeah, 100%. They, they can cruise through the league as much as they like, although obviously Brighton was a, was a test that no one saw coming. But when it, when it came to it, the three games that they've been challenged this season, City... Bayern and Barcelona, they were very short at the back, yeah. Tough words from you there, Beth, but I I would probably have to agree with you. So let's see what the summer will bring for them. Congratulations to Barcelona. Now, this week has been a crazy week off the field, it's fair to say. On Monday, Aston Villa sacked head coach Gemma Davis, which caused shock at the club. Reports suggested that Villa felt Davis had underperformed and was trying to implement an unrealistic style of play. It follows interim manager Marcus Bigner leaving last weekend and assistant Jenny Sugarman has also left the club. Then, over the weekend, Enya Lupo confirmed she was leaving her role as sporting director after 18 months at the club, with reports linking her with a similar role at NWSL side Angel FC. Andrew, it's been a busy week for your club, but it looks like it's a new era all around, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think it's it's new broom time at, at, at Villa. I think um, I, I would be surprised if the Enya Luko kind of development was uh, related. I think obviously that's a, just a move that she's making, unless there are some savings to be made um, that Villa are looking to make. I wouldn't want to sort of cast aspersions in that in that direction. But the the changes to the coaching staff is interesting. When obviously Gemma Davis was, I don't know, superseded probably isn't the right word, but when Marcus Bignot came in and, and, and as, as sort of an interim manager, Gemma stayed on as head coach. So there was that separation of roles. I think that's possibly where they saw uh, where Villa were kind of light in that area. They decided that there needed to be a, a management figure rather than just a head coach figure. Um. Then obviously Marcus oversaw um, you know the last those last five games unbeaten, um, but what they've probably looked at is actually does do, what do Villa need to survive in the WSL? Were they trying to be too kind of expansive, trying to play too much, almost too much football, being a little bit naive at times as well? Uh, Gemma's a great coach, and, and and you know she will do well, you know in whatever she does. Um, but I just wonder whether they feel that they need somebody more experienced at the top level. Um, and there are, as we'll probably mention, um, quite a few people who have become available in the, in the last 10 days or so. Um, but um, who knows if uh, Carla Ward might be tempted? I don't know. Hey, you're skipping ahead now. People who are listening to this pod might not know all this news, Andrew. Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Now, Beth, just tell us a little bit more, because I know you have a better understanding of the NWSL than myself or Andrew. Uh, Angel FC, what would any Luco be walking into if she if she ends up there? Um, in, a, in short, Star Power. It's the new Los Angeles expansion team that is backed by Hollywood names, including Serena Williams, Eva Longoria, Jessica Chastain, to name a few. Um, it's certainly going to catch the eye, I think, of a lot of US women's national team players. Um, Alex Morgan is based in LA. You could expect her to be top of their ranks in terms of who they're going to sign. Um, it's, a very, it's definitely a very exciting time in the NWSL. Um, and if she's going to join that club, yeah, it, it, she couldn't be picking one with more star, star power to go to, really. Birmingham to LA. I mean, we wouldn't begrudge her if she did end up making that move. They do say Birmingham is the LA of the UK, though, so... Oh, I think Andrew would disagree with you there. Oh, no, I'm, I'm completely behind the better. <laughs> so the biggest shock of all came on just Tuesday when Manchester United manager Casey Stoney announced she would be departing from the club after the FA Cup game, which we'll look at later against Leicester City. It's been reported that Stoney left after, after frustrations behind the scenes regarding training facilities and other field issues. This led to endless outpouring of emotion and anger on social media. Casey Stoney had this to say in her statement, it has been an honour to lead the women's team at this great club and this has been an incredibly tough decision. I have loved leading this group and I'm so proud of what we have achieved together. However, after a difficult season with disruptions caused by the pandemic, I now feel the time is right to take some time away and for someone else to come in and lead the team on the next stage of its journey. John Murta, the director of football at United said, Manchester United is completely committed to its women's team and to building on the legacy of Casey's achievements as we move forward. With the recent historic first game at Old Trafford and the impact the team has made in the Women's Super League, the future is bright. While we will be sad to see Casey leave, the team and the operation will continue to go from strength to strength. 
Well, Andrew, the players supposedly found out an hour before the announcement and were stunned. And it's fair to say they weren't the only ones, were they? I mean, I was completely shocked to see this. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, th- I came out of the blue when I heard it and uh, then you sort of hear the, the 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 reasoning behind it and you, you take another step back and say, you know, is the WSL uh, in certain areas fit for purpose? Um you know, uh, we've talked before, haven't we? I mean, Birmingham City. The, there was the, the all the all the stories about them and their um, uh, lack of uh, facilities and a lack of kind of general um, enthusiasm, if you like, for for for, for the women's setup. Um, and now you've got Casey Stody saying actually Manchester United aren't. You know, the players aren't being given enough around them. Um, and I mean, in a sense, do we think that's part of the reason behind the, the, the tailing off of form in the second half of the season? Um, how long has the writing been on the wall for Casey Stoney? When was this decision made? Is it just, you know, she's she knows that there's a job opportunity for her in the States potentially, and she's decided to take it. And, and because of those, you know, with those other reasons being kind of secondary, would she have left anyway without somewhere to go to? We don't just don't know, but it doesn't look good from a WSL point of view. And uh, as Beth kind of sort of intimated around the the Chelsea Barcelona game, you know, there is a lot of talk quite rightly about the progress that WSL has made on and off the pitch, huge amounts of progress, but we can't ignore, you know, we can't uh, run before we walk. I think, you know, there are still huge areas for concern and, you know, Chelsea's uh, and, and indeed Manchester City's inability to keep pace with Barcelona on the pitch and indeed areas of concern at clubs, at even the top clubs off the pitch, I think shows that the WSL still has uh, some progress to make. Mm, yeah, a massive club like Manchester United, those are going to be big shoes to fill. Um, but just touching briefly, as you mentioned, the States, because her sort of statement says to me that she wants to take a break, but there has been some rumours going around about Portland Thorns and also San Diego wanting to snap her up. Beth, do you have any inside knowledge about this? Or can you see that also being a fit for her? Um, yeah, so if she was to go to San Diego, that expansion team uh, doesn't start until 2022. So that would theoretically work with having a break. I know Mark Parsons from the Thorns is going over to the Netherlands. Um, so they will be without a head coach sooner rather than later. I mean, no, no one knows. I mean, Casey knows what the what the next move is for her. And um, I know she'll fit around her family and stuff like that. So we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, one thing is certain wherever she goes next, she's going to be a success. Um, she is the most talented young manager in the women's game and wherever she goes, she's going to pick up trophies and she's going to, again, leave the club in a better position than when she picks up, just like she did with United. Yeah, and we wish Casey all the luck in the world for whatever she does next. Well, the week of announcements just kept on coming as on Thursday news broke from the Blue Half, spoiler alert everyone, that Birmingham's coach Carla Ward had stepped down as manager. The 37-year-old took over a squad with just eight senior players available in August with the challenge of keeping Birmingham up, despite having the smallest budget in the division. She stepped down saying that she just can't sustain it physically and mentally. Andrew, we've talked about the disappointments for Birmingham throughout the season, so it's no surprise, is it, that Carla's pretty much said enough is enough now? Yeah, and I think um, you know you may see more obviously uh, player departures in the summer if 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 the feelings are still as strong as they were um, earlier in the campaign. If you know, I know Birmingham said they were going to make uh, 
you know, try and make improvements for next season. Um, Carla's obviously just decided that it's not for her and managers need stability around them. You know, you often see managers struggle at clubs that are struggling off the field. You know, you you can't have a, you know, if managers are fighting fires all the time, they can't put their best into the, to their job. And that's what she needs. So she needs a bit of stability around her and it'll be interesting to see where, where she goes next. Mm. Yeah, no, I would agree with you there. Beth, so if you're Carla Ward and you come into this Birmingham side and your aim is to just stay up and work on a tight budget, what kind of message is that sending out for the WSL, which is meant to be the best league in the world? Yeah, it's not good enough. And I think if you look at, again, if you look at the NWSL, where all of the clubs are more on an equal footing, as Andrew said, the WSL has come on strides in recent years. But when you look at the story like Birmingham, it's come on strides at the top. It's not come on, come on strides at the bottom. There is a huge disparity between um, the top table and the bottom of the table in terms of investment um, and then which results with the products on the field. Carla Ward did an incredible job with a very, very difficult situation. Um, and you can't you don't blame her at all for wanting to get out really and wanting to make that next move where she will be given where she will be given the backing. If the WSL is going to claim to be the best league in the world, then um, male parent clubs can't just have a women's team as a PR move. They need to be funding them properly and they need to make sure that they can compete in a division and they need to make sure their players are paid fairly and are given correct conditions to train in. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's a PR move gone wrong. You're, you're putting all this investment in for a PR backlash. Like, it, it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I hope some of these clubs pull their fingers up pretty soon as the next season comes along. And I'm sure, you know, as Andrew said, lots of vacancies going on now. So perhaps we'll see Carla Ward next season. On to the FA Cup. Biggest shock of the round occurred at Lee Sports Village. Newly promoted Leicester turned up and beat Man United 3-2 to ruin Casey Stoney's last game in charge. Jess Sixworth had given United the lead on 33 minutes, but Shannon O'Brien equalised on the stroke of half-time. Jane Ross restored the lead on 63 minutes, but two goals in two minutes from Hannah Kane and Tash Flint completed the turnaround to end a good week all round in the FA Cup for Leicester. Now, credit to Leicester. They went, they conquered, they took the win. But Andrew, do you feel like Casey Stoney's announcement played a bit of a factor and an effect in this result? Yeah, quite possibly. Um, it was never going to be an easy game for for, for, for Manchester United. Uh, uh, but at the same time, I think you've got to give uh, Leicester huge credit. Um, you know, I know they're riding a, a wave at the moment, but you, you know, you could only have to, to see struggles that I know it's only one game, but you only have to see the struggles that uh, uh, championship sides have against WSL opposition in the cup. And indeed, when they get promoted, um, you know, that's a fantastic result. You know, you go a goal down, you're heading towards half time, uh, you know, away against a side like Manchester United, it'd be very easy just to kind of give up but again you know two one down 20 minutes to go and they turn it around so it's a it's a fabulous result for Leicester and I mean let's face it what a what a sporting football weekend Leicester have had but um you know I think it sends a little bit of a, a, a shot across the bows of the WSL for next season no absolutely I mean Beth Andrew just touched on it there do you feel like this will give Leicester a boost coming into their maiden season for the WSL yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see what they do in the league next year. It's a, it's a good example of a club that's been funded properly by their men's team and the the bounds that they've come on in just a short time is really impressive. Um, and I saw today they've actually been linked with Jess Sigsworth from Manchester United. 
Um, she's a proven goal scorer in this division. It's exactly the kind of uh, in statement signing that, yeah, it's good to see. Yeah, and it, it might be with everything that's gone on with Casey, potentially a way out of Man United with that unknown as well. So, well, it wasn't just Leicester looking to steal the limelight this weekend. There looked to be another potential shock on the cards as Sheffield United, also of the Championship, took Spurs all the way after 17-year-old Lucy Watson scored 10 minutes from time to cancel out Lucy Quinn's opener. Kit Graham's winner in the 108th minute eventually got Spurs over the line. Again, credit to the Championship side for pushing the WSL side all the way. Now, I know we speak about the gaps in, in not just the WSL, but Championship, but do you feel like this is a positive sign to see them being pushed all the way? Or is it just the magic of the cup, Andrew? Well, I mean, it's both, isn't it? And I think that uh, is it is promising that we're seeing some of those sides take teams the distance. You need the strength in the championship. In a sense, it's good to see maybe it might be a, an effect of some of the, uh, you know, like Chelsea, let's say, signing players from abroad. You might get then filtering down to the lower sides in the in the WSL. And then some of those players who can't get into the WSL end up in the championship and you, you strengthen the, the, the pyramid that way. Um, there's obviously been some heavy results in favour of the WSL sides over uh, National League clubs, but that's partly, of course, because National League sides haven't been training or playing um, for, for a lot of the, the season. Um, but in terms of the championship against WSL matchups, that one was a, a good one for, for, for Sheffield United. Kit Graham, obviously um, a goal scorer in second tier football as well. So it did well for to get the winner for Spurs there. Um, but then at the same time, you've got Palace losing 9-0 to Arsenal. Um, you know, so uh, there is still that, uh, there is still that um, gap to bridge. It's, it's difficult sometimes, but yeah, on a one-off occasions, that's, that's good to see. All with the spoilers today, Andrew. Honestly, you were just re- <laughs> reading along. Beth, Spurs have had a bit of a mixed season, haven't they? Finishing mid-table, having a change in managers. So perhaps the FA Cup is something that they'll want to aim to win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think they did all right this season. Um, obviously, they had the big marquee signing of Alex Morgan, which great um, gave the club some good marketability and really put them on the map with their as a women's team as well um, having only been promoted the season before but yeah next season it will be a case of I think making some new signings and really showing what they're about in the division um, it was it was maybe a bit so-so that the next the next uh, step for them will be taking it to the Reddings and the Evertons of this division and showing that they can really be up there in the top half mm. and hopefully some more um, action at the Spurs Stadium because it's bloody magnificent isn't it it is very very nice yeah very nice <laughs> Right, another WSL side who were given a scare were Birmingham City. It looked comfortable for the Blues as they were three up after 66 minutes against National League South Division 1 side Southampton, thanks to Molly Green, Emily Murphy and Sarah Malin. But the Saints marched back into the game thanks to two quick goals from Caitlin Morris and Ella Pusey, but it wasn't quite enough in the end as the Midland team held on to the victory. Andrew, Southampton's head coach, Marion Spacey, said it's a testament to her players, staff and the club that she was disappointed at the end of the game. You feel they're quite they're going to be a club that are on the up, don't you? I do. Yeah, I think Marianne Space is a, a smart cookie. I covered their game against uh, against uh, Lewis um, when they came from uh, behind to. To, to, to win that one and to knock out a championship team. You know, they were delighted with that. And, uh, you know, I think there were a few, even though the draw had already been made in advance, there were quite a few players I don't think who knew quite, you know, who they were going to be up against, I think, on that 
uh, occasion. And then when they found out it was Birmingham away, they were like, oh, that's a that's, a, that's an even further step up. But yeah, to kind of uh, give them a little bit of a scare towards the towards the end is 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 a promising sign for Southampton. Rather like Wolves, you know, they've not been able to to get the promotion that they probably deserve um so far but i expect to see them you know in the in the top two tiers you know in in the next over the next few seasons mm, yeah we'll keep a close eye on them in other results manchester city brushed aside west ham thanks to goals from ellen white janine becky rose lavelle sam muez and lauren hemp catch my breath there with anuk denton the solitary scorer for the hammers Brighton brushed aside National League North side Huddersfield and the all-championship clash between Blackburn and Charlton went the way of the team from South London thanks to Jess King's goal 12 minutes from time. Crystal Palace's Georgia Clifford took over our Instagram stories, but unfortunately it didn't bring any luck for the Eagles as they were hit for nine away at Arsenal in Joe Montemiro's last game for the Gunners. Apologies, Georgia, if you're listening. We We won't make you take over Instagram again. The quarterfinals will take place in September later this year. Right, moving on over in America, the NWSL started up this weekend. Beth, you've been keeping an eye on this and most of the players who have been over in the WSL are now back at their clubs ready to compete. Just tell us about the uh, their weekend. Yep, so uh, backing up their victory in the pre-season Challenge Cup, the, the Portland Thorns showed again that they are the team to beat this year, putting five past a Chicago Red Stars team that has struggled for goals since Sam Kerr departed for Chelsea 18 months ago. Um, elsewhere, there were draws across the board, apart from one result where the recently rebranded Gotham FC narrowly edged out the Houston Dash 1-0 in a very cagey affair. It's been a lacklustre start to the year from two-time NWSL champions, the North Carolina Courage, who were held to a nil-nil draw with the rain. But their ranks could be about to be bolstered by the return of US women's national team star, Sam Mewis, from Manchester City. Mewis and her teammate, Rose Lavelle, are both on the verge of returning to their NWSL teams before the Tokyo Olympics this summer in moves that would be a huge blow to City's WSL title chances next year. For me, instance, perhaps I'm a little bit ignorant. I don't follow the NWSL as much as I probably would like to. But I've seen, you know, in recent weeks, uh, younger lioness Ebony Salmon is moving across the pond. She's expected to join Race in Louisville. And Harrod James has moved to North Carolina Courage. Do you expect an influx of players from the WSL, not just the Americans, to, you know, perhaps see this league as the next stepping stone in their career? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, actually. So I think another thing that gave a lot of um, credence to the whole the WSL is the best league in the world um, thing that we were all discussing last summer was that all of this star talent was coming over from America and playing in our league. Whereas I think in hindsight, it's probably been it's probably shown now that that was a factor of the pandemic rather than uh, the quality of the two leagues. Last summer, Shook certainly did indicate there was an exodus from America to England, whereas if these rumours are anything to go by and the the transfers that have already happened and the rumoured transfers of, um, sorry, and the rumoured moves of Casey Stoney and Ennio Liga or anything to go by, it certainly looks like the pendulum is already swinging back the other way. And what makes it so much more inviting, not just, you know, as we've said that these Big clubs have got big famous sort of owners and stuff. Is the football quicker? Is it more aggressive? Is it like what makes it so special? Um, it, 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 I, I've been following it for about a year now, and I still haven't really put my finger on it. Um, the start to the the start of the season has actually been pretty poor. There's been quite a lot of nil nil draws. Um, the league runs 
in it doesn't run within the FIFA window. So a lot of the time league games are happening and um, national team stars just have to miss their league games. Um, so there's not always the star power on show. If they're in camp, they're not playing in their league games. Um, there's a certain level of marketing around the American League, which I think can't be ignored. Um, like Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino are two of the biggest sports stars on the planet, not just female footballers, um, full stop. So it's certainly eye-catching. They play in huge stadiums, they draw huge crowds, um, and you can really make a name for yourself out there, which is why I think we're seeing this talent going out there. If you take Ebony Salmon, if you take Ebony Salmon for example, um, at 19 years old, she's decided to go across the Atlantic and get some actual game time um, score some, and score goals, which is what she should be doing in her position, whereas she could have gone to one of the top WSL teams and probably found herself on the bench quite a lot. So, yeah, it's a smart decision. And I think we're going to see more. It's, I, I imagine it's not the end of the of the moves as well. We're going to we're going to see more happening. Well, we'll keep an eye on everything. I might have to start getting my time zones correct so I can actually start tuning into some of these games as well. We'll have a chat about it maybe later on in the season, see where they're at. Well, that is it from us. Don't forget to follow us on social media, on Twitter at TWFP1. Rolls right off the tongue, that does. Also on Instagram and YouTube, you will find exclusive content. So follow and subscribe at the Women's Football Podcast. We're hoping to get an exclusive with Anne Harrod James as well before she moves over to North Carolina Courage. Many thanks to Andrew and Beth for joining us this week. Look forward to chatting with you both again soon. Bye for now. Bye.